looking for something fun to do Valentine's Day weekend? 32 Below, Froyo and More has a cookie decorating class February 13th at noon. They're located here in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Um, you get cookies, you'll get your decorating tools, you'll get expert advice. You also get some bottomless mimosas. They have brunch boxes and much more. So head over to their Instagram or text or message them. Um, and it, their number is 208-819-3819. Reserve your spot before it sells out. Welcome to Keeping Tabs. I'm Tab the Croc. And every Monday, I talk to someone here in North Idaho the goal to connect more people in the Coeur d'Alene area. And then every Friday, I talk to someone outside the community to bring in a new perspective and to learn a little bit about yourself. All right. I have Randy Russell with me today, um, superintendent out in Freeman. Um, he is an author, a speaker, consultant. Um, what else? I mean, am I missing anything? You got, you do everything, it sounds like. Well, that's pretty kind, Tabitha. Thank you. Thanks for uh, letting me join you today. It's really an honor. Thank yeah, you so much. I'm so glad that Doug connected us because um, I started, like, obviously, I searched through your LinkedIn. He was telling me about your book. Um, so tell us a little, bit, a little bit about you, what you're up to, and what you're doing. Yeah, you bet. Well, fortunate, uh, this is my uh, 33rd year as an educator, which is great, and that's what I get to do, but who I really am is you know, I'm a dad uh, and a husband. Uh, Shauna, my wife, is a teacher. She's been a teacher for almost 30 years. And then we have four children. We have three daughters and a son. And uh, Emily and Megan are both teachers as well. Ryan's a high schooler and Megan, uh, Megan's in her first year as a kindergarten teacher. Uh, and then Riley, our youngest, is uh, a middle school student. So we've got it, everything covered, Tabitha from kindergarten where Megan starts all the way to myself as a superintendent. So we've got a whole family of educators and it's really a lot of fun. I mean, what a weird time to be a teacher and educator um, right now. I can't imagine being a first year teacher going into your kindergarten class and you're probably having to do a Zoom class and keep kindergartners like on a Zoom call. Oh yeah, it, it's tough. You know, and I've always been super proud of educators and teachers, coaches, you know, principals, bus drivers. I mean, it takes a whole village, right? I mean, you've got this whole uh, intricate network of support systems for kids to be successful from bus drivers picking up kids in the morning to teachers, you know, teaching kids, paras, secretaries, the whole works. Um, I'm especially proud of the work that educators have done this last year. They've really, really answered the bell in my opinion, they've gone way beyond the call of duty. I mean, I truly believe that educators, it's been like 7-Eleven, Tabitha, you know, they're, they've been open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and uh, just really impressed and thankful for all the educators out there. Not just the ones in our family, but all the other educators that are serving all the other families. Yeah, I, I mean, I cannot imagine. And um, I come from a small community. We just started, we started, we talked that about that before we got on about how small communities or good and tight communities, they kind of wrap around. And if you're a child in that community, then you have your bus driver checking on you, you have your teachers, your principals. And so it, it does, it takes a village to, especially right now. And like you said, a teacher probably is teaching also the parents how to teach. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And parents have become teachers as well because they've had to kind of lean in differently 
than they normally would if their own children are at school, you know, seven or eight hours a day. And so it's put a lot of pressure on families and the families have stepped up too. So not just kids and staff, but families. I mean, it's a, it's a collaborative effort. I'm just super proud of everybody kind of leaning in there together and working together. And it has not been easy. I mean, if anybody thinks this has been easy for educators or for families, it just hasn't been. I know a lot of people, it's been tough on them in the business world. You know, they've lost hours or lost jobs. Some businesses have even closed their doors. You know, thankful that we're in a profession that we've been able to keep the doors open and keep serving the kids. Yeah, that's so true too. I mean, like I said, I don't, I don't know how you guys are all doing it right now because it is, it's very interesting. So tell me a little bit about your book. Um, I got, I hear a little wind of this. I know that I need to now read it because it sounds fantastic. So tell me about your book. Well, thank you. Uh, so it really has been a team effort, which has been great. Uh, a couple of buddies of mine, uh, Brian Talbot, who's the superintendent at Nine Mile Falls and Kyle Rydell, who's the superintendent in West Valley. We actually had gotten together one day for lunch, Tabitha, several years back. I had just been selected as the state uh, association president for the superintendents group in Washington. And we were meeting to kind of talk about something that could maybe pull together the 295 school districts and also all of the agencies that are working, you know, the Office of Public Instruction, your teachers union, your principals group, uh, the Professional Educational Standards Board, your legislators, all these groups work together, right, to make it happen for kids. And so I said, you know, we need to come up with a theme, something that we can really get our teeth into that would be simple and pretty straightforward that people could rally around. And so as we were having lunch and talking, we all agreed that it was all about relationships. It always has been. It's always going to be. If I ask you, Tabitha, who's your favorite teacher? Right now, you can tell me who it is immediately, can't you? Yeah. Oh, there's. I have a couple. I don't want to like, but I do. I have like my junior high teacher. She's made the most impact, and I'm. She's one of my best friends now. Not best friends, yeah. best people. Exactly. And if I even went a little bit further, and I asked you, well, what about that connection to your favorite teacher? Most people are not going to say, well, it was science, or it was English, yeah. or it was math, right? It's really about, well, that person took an interest in me or they really cared about me or they believed in me. It's about the relationship, the connection. So we, we identified as that as kind of the pillar of our conversation. And then we talked about the importance of leadership, you know, for a business or a school or a classroom, a company, a state, a national government, uh, everything rises and falls with leadership. So we had relationships, leadership, and then we talked about working together. We're like, well, there that's a partnership, all of us supporting each other. That's how we came up with the three ships at this luncheon around a topic that we could kind of put our, our teeth into. And they all ended in ship, which then became the name of the, the theme for the year. Well, it really took traction and it, it really started to be very impactful. And so you saw a number of agencies kind of adapting the three ships and adopting the three ships to what they were doing. And then somebody said, why don't you write about it? I was like, nobody's going to want to read anything about the three ships. Are you kidding me? And they're like, no, really, why don't you write something about it? So I put it out there, wrote a couple things, sent it out to some people. And they're like, I really like this. This is good. Why don't you write some more? And that's how the three ships as a book kind of came into being. 
Oh, it's so fantastic. And it's spot on. I mean, we can't do anything without those relationships and how, I mean, I don't, I mean, I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't have the right people in my corner or the right relationships, the right partnerships, um, especially as in the nonprofit world. If I don't have those partnerships, I'm not raising the money. I'm not doing the things, not educating. So it's so, so cool. And like almost elementary, you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like, I think that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It was really an honor to, to write it. And it's even more an honor to have been able to share it and then seeing different groups whether it's an elementary school or a school district or even businesses have bought the book and then they've used it as a way to kind of reunite everybody, Tabitha, during this really difficult time that people have been through. And then they've used it as a book study to have an ongoing conversation about how you connect around these three shifts. So I really feel like uh, it's, it's been not just a blessing, but also that it's helping. And that was the whole reason for doing it. Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, what, so obviously writing a book is its own beast. I mean, I, I've worked with authors, I've worked with people that are, you know, in that, in that industry or that realm. What was the most difficult part when you were writing this book? Wow. I, I think one of the most difficult pieces of it was after literally reading it so many different times, right? Mm -hmm. You think that you've just taken it as far as you can take it. And I felt like I was kind of done with it just from the amount of time I had put in and, and organizing it and getting feedback. And then what I found was connecting with Shelly Schaefer, who was the editor, took it to a completely different level. So it was both really difficult, Tabitha, and really like kind of freeing yeah. that somebody else could come in and put their eyes on it and help take it to the next level. And she added some things that really made it kind of jump to being able to use it like as a book study and for training and for professional development. Um, but you just get to a point where you're like, I've read it enough. I need to hand it off to somebody else. <laughs> oh, I'm sure that's exactly what it is. I mean, I can't write anything. And then I like you overanalyze and overthink it. And as soon as someone else's eyes come on it, they like, just, just make it a little organized, clean. And you're like, that's exactly what I was trying to do. Exactly. That's exactly what it was. And, you know, I give a lot of credit back to my teachers, mm -hmm. you know, from like high school, uh, Mr. Pond, my, one of my English teachers and Professor Wolf, who was a college uh, English professor of mine. Both of them are in the book. I have stories about both of them, mm -hmm. how they were able to really help me with my own writing and speaking and um, just critical thinking skills around writing and expressing yourself. So a lot of the credit goes to Mr. Pond and to Professor Wolf. I love that. And that's so cool. It's like now I'm, I'm having memories of my favorite teachers and I, how I'm so close to like my junior high teacher. Um, she used to go, I used to use fitness classes in post halls and she would come to my fitness classes. And I was like, look at this, the roles have changed. I get to teach you. Um, yeah. I, my English teacher and all these like Oh, it's such, it's such a good feeling to think about those people and how, how much they've played a part in your life. Not only just like your writing or your math, but really have played a part in the way who you are now. Exactly. Yeah. And, and then you think about like Dr. Don Wadham, who was the, a college professor at University of Idaho who helped me with my dissertation. Mm -hmm. And so here, you know, you think you've gone through high school and college and all these experiences and you're trying to become a, a better writer, a better author from an article or a short story standpoint. And then you get a college professor like Dr. Don Wadham and he just puts his 
you know, his stamp on it and basically takes it to a new level. And you're like, okay, I wasn't as good of a writer as I thought I was. Like, you just, you just made me realize I have a lot of room for improvement in this whole process. Oh, that's so true. Um, so that's crazy. So you obviously don't become a superintendent, superintendent overnight. You don't become an author overnight. It takes a lot of practice, takes a lot of time, education. Um, is there a life lesson you've learned along the way, but you kind of learn it the hard way? Yeah, you know, I, I think that without a doubt, you know, we know that life is a team sport, you know, and having been involved in athletics, you know, growing up and coaching and all of those things, um, those are such important pieces, you know, of kind of your life lessons. And, and I think I've learned as much, if not more, from my failings and things that haven't gone well as the success, right? Like everybody wants to be successful. You want to do the best you can. Certainly. I mean, that's a goal for everybody. It doesn't matter what you're doing, but truly the most growth and the opportunity to really reflect and think back to where did I learn my, my most important lessons usually came when things didn't work well or didn't really turn out the way that you had hoped it would. Uh, my best friend, David Hillman lives in Post Falls, Idaho. He's a physical therapist there. We were talking the other night. Uh, we were in a state championship basketball game our junior year in high school. You know, we've known each other for almost 50 some years, basically. We played everything together. We were in the state championship, Tabitha, as juniors in high school. He made the game winning shot to win the state championship game. And for whatever reason, the referee thought that he had fouled and he waved off the shot. So the shot wasn't counted and we lost the state championship game by one point. And oftentimes people are like, oh, you've got to be so like devastated and disappointed that you guys didn't win it. You were right there and you should have won it. And you got robbed. And I'm like, no, that's one of my greatest life lessons was the fact that we didn't win it and how we dealt with it and how we responded to it and the lessons we learned and actually the fact that you can get knocked down and you're going to get knocked down a lot in life. Yeah. It's not about getting knocked down. It's about, are you going to get back up again when you get knocked down? And I think that is the big lesson. How are you going to respond when you get knocked down and are you going to get back up again? It's so true. I mean, I think I, everyone I interview, almost everybody, that's why I interview very amazing, successful, smart people is because you almost, everyone I talk to says the same exact thing. They say, I've learned the most from my failures. And no, lo no matter what we're doing, if we fail at it, we know how to change it, right? We, I run fundraisers all the time. And if I do a fundraiser that flops, I'm like, you know what? I'm so glad I did that. I'll never have to think about doing it again. Never have to wonder, or I can change that fundraiser to make it a better way. Um, but I think that's with anything is just those failures teach you so much in who they in really who do. You are. Yeah. Yeah, they do. And, and certainly a part of that is that they reveal your character, hmm. you know, because yeah. what, what is seen on the outside is what most people see you to be and who you are. But in reality, you know, your character that gets revealed is really truly who you are. And, yeah. and what you're all about. And that comes through adversity and when things don't usually go the way you want them to. Exactly, ex exactly. As soon as you said that about your basketball game, it's how you dealt with it and how your team dealt with it. And you could have gone, I mean, yelled at the ref, you could have thrown a huge fit, you could have been, I mean, there's so many, and that's losing a job or you apply for a job and don't get it. How do you deal with that is it's so, so much about your character and who you are. 
Yeah, exactly. And it kind of reminds me of one other time. So I was an assistant principal. I had been in education for, you know, what, maybe 20 some years had started as a teacher, start, you know, started as a coach, become a head coach, become an athletic director. I was an assistant principal. I had done them all discipline curriculum, and I really wanted to be a principal. Well, I was one of the top two finalists for the position. I was the number one recommendation from the screening committee. And after the interviews, I was the number one recommendation uh, from the interview team. And it, when it got down to it, I met with the superintendent and the other candidate then met with the superintendent individually. And the other candidate got the job and I didn't, and I was devastated. I mean, Tabitha, I truly, I was, that was one of the most devastating lowest spots I think in my whole career was not getting this principalship that I really, really wanted. Well, I didn't get that one, but fortunately I was able to get the principalship at Coeur d'Alene High, home of the Vikings. Yeah. And I was able to serve there for five years, fell in love with the kids and the staff and the parents. Sean and I still talk about it. it's one of the highlights of our whole time with our kids and our family. And then that led to the superintendency at Freeman. So if I'd have gotten that job, Tabitha, that I wanted so badly, I would never have been able to get to Coeur d'Alene because it wouldn't have worked out. Yeah. And I would never have ended up in Freeman. So things happen for a reason and we just don't know sometimes. And so you can learn some lessons when things don't go your way, if you choose to be better and not bitter. And I'm, I'm choosing to be better about whatever comes my way, even if it's not good, than to be bitter about it. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So I for, almost forgot that you were the Coeur d'Alene High School um, for a while because got to love Coeur d'Alene, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, go bikes. You know, we're still very connected to a lot of the staff there and uh, certainly follow the teams. Uh, Sean Amos and I are very good friends. Of course, he's the head football coach. He's got the best high school coaching staff probably in the entire western part of the United States and uh, several of the coaches are still there Jeff Moffitt's the the wrestling coach and a couple others but I, I'm still following the Vikings all the time and rooting them on even though you know I'm with the Scotties obviously and that's my top priority but hey I can still root for the Vikings because I was a big fork Viking that's where I graduated from high school so I'm a Viking all the way back to being 14 years old that's fantastic I love I love that um, and I think there's another great point is that I have a thing with people, all the kids getting medals and ribbons for, for participating. My thing is, is not everyone's going to get that job. So you have to teach kids early on that how to lose. And so when you get to a situation like you did, where you're ready, you were like, I got this job, like pretty much, you know, you're ready to sit in that desk and then you realize you didn't get it. And so you have to adapt and deal with that. I think it's such a life lesson people need to learn children need to learn early on. So that's my little uh, soapbox. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure they do. And we actually, we need kids, our own children to fail, uh, yep. you know, and, and we put some pretty protective, you know, um, boundaries, kind of walls, pillows, whatever you want to call them around kids sometimes. And I think that's a disservice, you know, to the kids, whether they're your own children or whether they're the kids that you're serving at your school part of the learning process is that you just haven't got there yet. Yep. So if somebody didn't get it, that's okay. If you failed, that's okay. If you didn't get a medal, that's okay. Now let's, what do we need to do? Well, you probably need to work a little harder. 
you need to maybe be a little bit more committed. You may maybe need to be a little bit more disciplined yeah. to be able to get in there and get after it. Let's make some corrections and let's go for it again. And, and then maybe you'll get it next time. But just because you didn't get it this time doesn't mean you can't get it next time. Preach, preach to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, thanks for listening. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. We're in the same boat. I love it. So I have a yeah. couple of fun questions for you. Um, so if I'm in the Freeman area, if I'm out there, where's the best go-to restaurant? Oh my goodness. There's several. Uh, so if you're down in Rockford, you're going to want to go to either Fred Next, which is a great little, uh, like a distillery bar saloon, cool. which is really, really awesome. And then they also have the Harvest Moon, uh, two great places right down in, in Rockford. Uh, there'll be another place that'll be opening up in Valley Ford, hopefully in the spring. Uh, the owner of Chaps, kind of out on West Spokane, uh, like if Chaps. you're gonna, yeah, drop down on the Palouse Highway. The owner of Chaps uh, is gonna open up there in Valley Ford. Can't go wrong with any of them. Service is great. The food is fantastic. Love going to to both places. And I'm excited. I'm a foodie. So I, I'm, I've been in like in lockdown, like everybody else. Right. So we, it's funny. We feel like we have to like break the law to come to Idaho to go out to eat. I mean, it's like, you feel like you're sneaking out, right? Like you fast review to go over there and get a hamburger. Ice and plates. We know. Yeah, I know it. So yeah, we're, we're ready for the restaurants to come back open and, and to be able to socialize and connect again. It's, it's back to that relationships piece, you know, Tabitha, even the introverts are like tired of this. Like they're like, I've been a lockdown for too long. Yep. I know. So I always tell my introvert friends, I was like, you need to check on your extrovert. We get that you're cool, but check on those people like that are needing people. And even them, even those people are like, no, we miss people too. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I got to take care of everybody. Since you're an author um, and you probably enjoy reading, you know, is there a book you're currently reading or a book that you're loving right now? You know, there is. And uh, the book I'm reading right now is What Got You Here Won't Get You There. Mm. And it's fascinating. It is from an executive coach who works with several uh, executives across the nation. And basically what he does is he kind of is a, a truth teller for yourself. He really asks a lot of good questions he has you really analyze your leadership and basically that you would look for not just building on your strengths, but also what are some areas that need to be improved? And do you have a fatal flaw? Is there something that you have as a leader that's taking you away from your team and being able to do a better job to serve them and to support them? And I love it. And we've kind of adopted it, you know, in Freeman because really Tabitha, what got us where we are right now in the first six months of the school year, it's not going to get us where we need to get to, to get to June. Like we're going to have to come up with some new solutions, you know, for tomorrow's problems. The old solutions won't work. What we've done in the past, some of it's going to work, but really we're going to, we're going to have to use some new thinking and really kind of rally together around some new thinking. And I love it that our team uh, our leadership team has really embraced this, that, hey, we've done a good job. We've got these kids here. It's safe. We've got protocols, but you can't just rest on your laurels. You've got to figure out what's next to keep moving forward. And that's really the impetus of this book. It's fascinating. I love it. 
Oh, that's, that's amazing. See, why I ask these questions is for me. So that I'm like, oh yeah, where do I eat? What book do I need to read next? <laughs> yes, exactly. It's yeah. a great, great book. My parents actually live in the Conklin area. So I go through Rockford if I'm going to like Spokane or anything like that. So um, yeah, you know the country. I do. So if you were able to have a billboard, let's say downtown Spokane or somewhere there's lots of people, if you could have a billboard, what would your billboard either have or say on it? Wow, if there was a billboard, um, I guess I would just say that um, get out of your own way. Ooh. You know, there are so many talented, I mean, truly, truly talented people that have these unbelievable skills and abilities. And oftentimes we put limits on ourselves because of social norms or somebody else's opinion or, you know, even, even your own beliefs, right? Like why would anybody want to read a book from Randy Russell? I mean, yeah. you know, there's so many options out there. And I would say when you really truly get to the point where you can get out of your own way, mm. it's freeing. It's truly freeing because then you realize that you can pretty much do anything that you want that of course is within the rules and is legal. And I, I mean, the guidelines, of course, of what you can do legally, but I'm talking about like just unleashing yourself and going for it. You want to write a short story, go for it. Your first one might not be great, but your third one might be, you want to go try something you've never tried. You might flop at it the first couple of times, but you might also find that you're really, really good at it. And I think part of it was that, um, when I, I had to have my hip replaced last summer, Tabitha, yes, I'm getting that old. I was like, you're young. Yeah, had to have the hip replaced. And, you know, so I couldn't really do much for like the first six weeks. I mean, I, not that I was feeling like a slug, but I mean, it was pretty much sloth village for the first six weeks and not moving around much and doing much. And finally, I was like, Russell, you got to get out of your own way. Like, you've got to get out there and be more active and get this rehab going and start really like going for it. And I think even whether it's the book, taking on COVID, tackling your hip surgery, you know, um, you're gonna try to go learn to ride a horse for the first time. You've never tried a sport ever or whatever it is, just like get out of your own way, Tabitha, go for it. It's not gonna be perfect the first couple of times, but you might find out that you're actually better at it than you even thought if you really give yourself a chance. Oh, that's, that's perfect. I, I absolutely love that. I think I just dealt with that with my podcast, actually. Um, it was kind of like, I love, you know, I, I want, I've always wanted to do something like this. And I was like, COVID's a perfect time. I've got extra time. I'm at home. I can interview people on a screen. And as soon as I did that, I was like, I love this. I get to meet the coolest yes. people and I get to share their story with, you know, hundreds of other people. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and again, you know, it, it connects people together. And that's where we become our very, very best. Yep. So, you know, you get connected with Doug Kaplicki, you and I connect on your podcast. It really, truly, it's an honor to be on your podcast. We get to know each other. And then that's where that iron sharpens iron and you start helping each other. And, you know, I learned something from you. Maybe there's something you took away that you're like, hey, this is a great idea or a thought. And all of a sudden you're better than you were 60 minutes ago. Exactly. Or there's something comes up and you're like, Hey, I know Tabitha might know the right person for this project, or you're doing something, you know, outside the realm and you know, I know someone or vice versa. We can really help each other and really for the greater good. 
Absolutely. And that's really what it's all about anyways, because when you really think about it, if you really want to make yourself happy, I mean, truly, truly, genuinely happy, happiness starts from the inside out. Happiness is not an outside to in process. It is an inside to out process. And the more people that you help, the more people that you serve, the more people that you support, truly, the more impact that you're going to make. I believe that's where your happiness comes from the inside out. And that's all I want to do. And I, I believe that's really all the educators want to do is serve, support, and help as many people as they can with no expectation in return at all. I agree. And like we've been talking, unfortunately, we're in a time we have to say the C word all the time. And that's COVID all the yeah. time. Or we're talking about this pandemic. Or we're talking how it's affecting financially. Or, you know, as an educator, you guys have completely had to, I mean, no one's learning this in college, how to deal with this kind of stuff. And so everyone's dealing with something, whether it's students, teachers, personal, like business shutting down. Do you have a piece of advice for someone listening, a positive piece of advice as we go through this pandemic and hopefully soon see the other side? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for asking. So at least in my experience over the last 11 months of dealing with this is that I have seen people fall into really one of three categories. They have either truly been paralyzed. They have absolutely um, just stayed right in the middle. It's, it's not affected them one way or the other. They've just been plugging away, doing what they've always done. And then there have been people that have absolutely flourished. Mm. So if you think about like a student, for example, before all this happened, there are some students who, when we went into virtual learning, truly got paralyzed, yeah. as well as educators. There were some that were like, oh, hum, hey, we're just going to keep making this work. And then there were others who really flourished. I mean, there are kids and there are staff who, like you said, with your podcast, you love this, you're flourishing. Mm -hmm. And I think you just have to figure out where you can embrace it that makes the most sense for you. So where do you want to put your time? your energy, your resources in to where you can find the most joy. And for myself, I just decided that what a golden opportunity, right? I, I, can, I can be paralyzed. I can keep doing things like I've done it. Or maybe there's an opportunity to serve, support, and help more people. So I feel like the last 11 months, I have really flourished because, again, I've chosen to be better not bitter about what has happened. I mean, the reality is this has affected a lot of people. The reality, the reality of this whole thing, Tabitha, Tabitha, is that it has really put people in a completely different spot than we were before. But I'll tell you what, we've never had more family dinners than we have the last 11 months. And I think that's a great thing. We've never played more board games and hung out more as a family talking on a more regular basis than we have the last 11 months. To me, that is a good thing. So I think as the pendulum swings back again, just find your middle ground on where you can be the best of who you can be, find your joy, and then have that happiness come from the inside out. And then share that with somebody, right? If you see somebody hurting or struggling, go pick them up, you know, check in on them, ask them what they need. Um, some people actually don't want people to flourish during crisis. 
I know that's hard to believe. And I know that your viewers and listeners, there would not be anybody on your podcast that would believe that. But there are people who do not want people to succeed during difficult times. And that's when they need us the most because everybody can lead and there's great relationships when things are going smooth. But how are you going to handle things and what's it going to look like when it's not going very good? And I think that, again, is the true tale uh, of really who people are and what they're made of. Exactly. Oh, you said that most beautifully. It was perfect. <laughs> oh, thank uh, you. The, I, this is why I talk to you people so that I can go out and do big things today because I was like, yeah, now I'm more inspired. I'm ready to go. Yeah, you got <laughs> this. You got this. Absolutely. Hey, so, just get out of your own way. Exactly. I'm going to actually write that on my board. It's going to be one of my quotes. I'm going to eventually write a book with all the people I've interviewed and Good for you. like that because I think that more people, I mean, it's just, you guys, everyone's brains work so differently. It's really fascinating. So how can we support you right now? Well, I, I think you're just doing it. I mean, this is just great spending some time on the podcast. You know, if folks want to learn more about kind of what we're working on, what our mission is, uh, they can always uh, check out our website, uh, randyrussell.org. Uh, you know, I'm an educator. Uh, my, my main, you know, purpose obviously is as an educator, but I've also found that by being an author and a speaker and a presenter, Tabitha, it's not only helped more people, but it's helped me be a better superintendent. Like I've become more patient. I think I've become a better uh, listener. I think that I've been able to lead better because of doing some other things. And you get to a point in time, whether you're a teacher or a head coach or a principal, where you have to kind of reinvent yourself to be sharp. And if you think about the most successful companies and why they are thriving during COVID, most of them have reinvented themselves a little bit during the last 11 months. And unfortunately, some companies who never made that change had to close their doors. And I always use the example of like Blockbuster versus Netflix, right? So Blockbuster had the market for years. It was the go-to video rental place. And now Netflix is the go-to place for so many different people. And they are flourishing and they've taken this different approach, but they reinvented the market that was already there. And I think that's a great example for all of us. We can reinvent ourselves at any time. We can try something new at any time. We just have to get out of our own way to do it that's a perfect way to end this so thank you randy yeah you're so welcome thank you for having me what a treat i really appreciate it tabitha thanks for listening to keeping tabs if you like what you heard make sure you subscribe to my youtube spotify or itunes to listen to all the great interviews Keeping Tabs is all about people, telling the story of some amazing people we have in our community and across the world. So make sure you subscribe, like, and follow along.